translation. After hearing from the mouth of their master about the extraordinary glories of the Lord and his name, fame, and attributes, the Yamadutas were struck with wonder. Since then, as soon as they see the devotee, they fear him and dare not look at him again. The poor praise divine grace to Prabhupada. Since this incident, the Yamadutas have given up the dangerous behavior of approaching a devotee. For the Yamadutas, a devotee is dangerous. Uh, and the final verse here is a translation. When the great sage Augusta, the son of Kumpa, was residing in the Malayan hills and worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead, I approached him and he explained to me this confidential history. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purports of the sixth canto, the third chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Yamaraj instructs his messengers. So this was a, an amazing section of the Bhagavatam. And this section of the Bhagavatam, Srila Prabhupada actually uh, used this section of the Bhagavatam quite a lot in many lectures. If you review it on this uh, one uh, uh, websites, uh, you see the different uh, times that Prabhupada actually used uh, the story of Arjuna to get across to people how potent the holy name of the Lord is. Um, it's great to be here again, actually. <laughs> it's been such a long time. It's been almost two years or something since I've been here. Is that okay? Yeah. Been here, but not giving a class. So if I'm a little rusty at giving class, please forgive me. Uh, but, you know, it's been an amazing thing and it's great to have the association again with the devotees and slowly we're coming back to some sort of formality and that's wonderful in devotional service. It's interesting to note actually, somebody told me something interesting this week. A Hindu friend of mine told me this week that and he's into astrology and all this. But actually, uh, on Friday, it was the anniversary day of the start of Kali Yuga. Anybody know that? It's exactly 3,102 years. Well, it started 3,102 BCE. So that's nearly over 5,000 years. So um, that's Friday was the day. Age is what? The chanting of the holy names. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Sometimes forget actually how powerful the holy name actually is. It's such a powerful thing that we've been given. This vibratory power of Krishna. This is Krishna himself. The holy name of Krishna is not different from Krishna. And so here we have the pastimes of Ajumil. And Prabhupada throughout his lectures was, was pointing out how simply by just chanting the holy name of Krishna, you can be saved from the most horrific situations in life. Prabhupada would uh, so many times tell us that as preachers of the Hare Krishna movement, our primary business is not to defeat people with philosophy. He said our primary business is actually to induce people to seriously chant the holy name of Krishna. That's our business. We can have some philosophical discussions and so on and so forth, but the main thing is, is that we pass on this message that the power of chanting the holy name of the Lord can save a person from their 
most horrific situations. The story of Ajamil was very pertinent to me personally when I became a devotee uh, some 43 years ago. I was working uh, as an orderly in a retirement home. I've told this story to some other people, but and at the and at that time, in a retirement home, you know, it's been in the news so often. People are passing away so much in retirement homes. Well, that was happening then as well. So I was an orderly, and I was just starting to become interested in Krishna consciousness. And I would see these people, and one lady in particular, uh, she was dying. And she was in the throes of being, of passing from this life. And it didn't happen immediately. So at night time, uh, they used to have to strap this lady to a chair in a straitjacket, you know, like a, to restrain her. And as I was doing my work, cleaning up, and I would see this lady, and she'd be struggling, and she'd be screaming out in horror. Saying, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming with the dogs, they're coming, and she'd scream. And I'm thinking, wow. And at, the, at that time, I was also reading this pastimes of Bhagavad Gita about Ajumin. So everything became really clear. Krishna gave me such a, a boon, actually, to take the spiritual life. I was already doing meditation of some description. I was already a vegetarian, so I was, I was qualified. But here Krishna was saying, okay, let's not be lackadaisical about this. Let's not just stay floundering on the mental platform. Let's get right into this. And I'll show you what a non-devotee has to go through, or a person that's inimical to Krishna has to go through. So um, that really changed my, my life this story of Ajumil. And, and the perfect example was this old lady. So anyway, Bhakti and I at that stage thought, well, we also read at that stage, and our spiritual mentors were teaching us that, you know, the power of the Hare Krishna mantra can save people, even if they vaguely hear the holy name of the Lord, even a past syllable of the holy name, if it's received without envy, they can actually make spiritual advancement. So Bhakti and I decided that we would do uh, kirtan in this old people's home. And Bhakti would play the guitar and we would sing to, to the people. So anyway, eventually I became a Hare Krishna, shaved up, became a Hare Krishna, moved into the temple for a period of time. And the place where I was working would call me back and say, look, you know, we really need you to work for us for just a little bit longer. Uh, we really like the work that you're doing. Please come again. So I said, okay. And then I came as a full-on devotee. And throughout the whole uh, retirement village, I'd be chanting all day, every day. <laughs> so all those, all those old people somehow or other got the mercy. But it, what it did to me was it, it sunk in deeply that the power of this holy name was so, so incredibly important. And was important for not only spreading the holy name, but also for me to actually become convinced that this is actually the right direction for my life. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> so, the other thing is, which was interesting, because I said, well, and to my mentors, when I decided to go into this old people's home, I said, well, I'm not really qualified to chant. You know, I mean, I'm a nonsense. I'm just coming to Krishna consciousness. They said, no, no, no. 
There's no material qualifications necessary. Anyone can chant the holy name and it will be just as powerful. So uh, that's what we, we had to understand, you know, that uh, actually we don't have to be very, very qualified to chant the holy name of Krishna. Recently, during the lockdown, I've had an opportunity to do a bit of reading. And there are a couple of books which have really been amazing, which also, in a sense, help with this uh, this uh, message that we've got today in the Srimad Bhagavatam about the power of the holy name. One was Chasing Rhinos with the Swami. Who's read any of Shamas and Guru's yeah. book? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Throughout the book, the only business of a devotee is to chant the holy names of the Lord. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. And that, you know, he complete, throughout the whole book, he emphasized that I'm not qualified Yet he had the closest association with Prabhupada and he did so many amazing things. And Prabhupada said when you're chanting Hare Krishna, anything is possible. So, you know, in the in the in the pastimes of Shamasandhu, we see that how they had the first Hari Nams. And how the first Hari Nam eventuated. It wasn't you know like an inspiration, yes, let's go out and chant the holy name and and uh, save all these people. It was actually the little temple room they had down in in, uh, in, in the in the Bowery there it was just so small that they said, God, it's so hot in here, let's go and chant outside. And then Prabhupada said, ah, this is very good. This is Sankirtan. This is Lord Chaitanya's mission, chanting outside. So that's how that started. In the UK also, in the United Kingdom, and Shamasunda was sent with Mukunda Maharaj and Malati and all the other ones, Jamuna, to the UK. All they had was the holy name. All they had was the holy name. And Prabhupada earlier on had recorded that wonderful LP, you know, the chanting of the holy name, Hare Krishna Mantra. And as it was, somehow or other, that album was given to the Beatles to George and John. And they were on a cruise somewhere in the Pacific somewhere and they played that non-stop for about 24 hours. So they really got imbibed by the holy name of the Lord. So then when the devotees came to England and started to chant Hare Krishna, it was an immediate attraction. They were so smart, you know, they were giving prasadam to, because they had this Shama uh, Sundar had said to Prabhupada, you know, I'm going to England, but I want to convince the Beatles to take to this Krishna consciousness. That was his desire. So Prabhupada said, anything is possible. And so then somehow or other, by really interesting ways and thinking of ways of how to connect with them, they connected. And the rest is history. They had so much potency. And, and, uh, and the Beatles took up chanting Hare Krishna. They'd been interested also in some meditation. But then when the, when the whole package was given, uh, George Harrison especially took to the chanting and uh, became a very close friend of Shamasundra. The result of that being My Sweet Lord, which today they're still playing on the, on the radio and is still an incredible hit record. And it features the holy name of the Lord. Yes, and you go to Bhaktivedanta Manor. Yeah, and you go to Bhaktivedanta Manor. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing is, is that uh, it's an amazing thing—the power of the holy name. 
because so many young people like myself at that stage were attracted by that holy name, by the by the, the popular song of George Harrison. I was into the Beatles and I thought, wow, this is amazing, they're chanting Hare Krishna. And I was searching for God. And so this was the next step. So then they take the Kirtans to India. And the Indians are blown out. Here are these white elephants all dancing around in, in, in Surat. They were just worshipped like they couldn't believe it. This is like the most amazing thing that's happening, you know. These Hare Krishnas chanting and dancing in the streets, taking to this Krishna conscious philosophy. They didn't know much philosophy, they didn't know any shlokas, they didn't know much at all. All they knew was, was they loved Prabhupada and they loved chanting. So these miraculous things started to happen. The other book that I'm reading is Old Build Your Temple. It's just amazing. And again, the potency of the holy name is throughout that whole book. And again, anything is possible with the power of the holy name. Now even in the early days when we were, and, and Sankirtan devotees know this, you know, even when you think something is totally impossible, Krishna can just, as a flick, just completely change things. When we were doing Sankirtan in the old days, sometimes you were thinking, how am I going to, you know, especially the marathons, you know, the marathons, you know, how am I going to make anything from this place? We'd be having to go to the outskirts of Melbourne and sell some paraphernalia. But when you actually really surrendered to Krishna and changed his holy names, anything became possible. And we were able to raise so much Lakshmi. So much Lakshmi that we could build this temple here, we built Mayapur temple, all the devotees at that stage. So it's just amazing. That is the power of the holy name. At times we have to defeat the opposition with philosophy as well. You know, like I remember in the early days when we had Gopals. It was called Gopals, but it was free in Flinders Lane. And, uh, you know, you would get so many different people that wanted to discuss Krishna consciousness on a philosophical basis. And they'd want to argue with you. And so, you, you know, from a devotee point of view, you remember that tradition, Prayer? You know, the, the, the Christians and different other people, atheists, would come up and they'd want to argue about Krishna consciousness and philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And so you would always think, oh gosh, you know, you bring up logic, you bring up different scientific research, you bring up a Shastra, but it never really helped. It just didn't penetrate. So then you simply said, listen, just chant Hare Krishna and have some prasada. And that's our secret weapon. So this was what we did. In the Hindu community also, you know, sometimes I'm dealing with the Hindu community and Sometimes it's hard to philosophically discuss with them about Krishna consciousness because they're so set in their own, uh, uh, you know, um, sampradaya or different way of thinking that Krishna is somehow not God, that there are many gods, and so on and so forth. So all you can virtually do at such some stage, you just give up and say, "Look, just chant Hare Krishna. Will you chant Hare Krishna with me?" Oh yes, this group will do. <laughs> so that, that's enough, you know. That's that's fine. So, we really know that the mantra for this age is the holy name. Hare Nam, Hare Nam, Hare Nam, There's no other way, absolutely no other way in this Kali Yuga, which is now um, an anniversary of their Friday. So, the chanting of many powerful 
powerful ways. And chanting has always been an important part uh, in our Krishna consciousness. If you don't chant good rounds in the morning, the consequence is, is that you have not such a good day, generally speaking. But if you chant really dedicated, focused rounds, then you actually have a, have a great Krishna conscious day. And miracles start happening, absolute miracles, because those miracles happen. When you read these books, like, you know, A Real View Temple or uh, Chasing Rhinos with the Swami, they're miracles. Absolute, how is this happening, you know? Prabhupada was just amazing. The last section that I was reading the other day was about how they got into Russia. Prabhupada had this desire to go to Russia. And uh, he, he honestly always just wanted to go to Russia. And no one answered to Prabhu at that stage, just couldn't arrange it. And then finally he said to Shamasundra, Shamasundra in Mumbai, Shamasundra, you see if you can get me into Russia. And he did. He got three tickets to get to Russia. You know, because the person that he met at the Russian embassy had come to the pandal that they had organized. They had pandals in Mumbai, in Bombay, for 10 days. They literally had 10,000 people there every single night when Prabhupada was lecturing. So over, nearly over a million people saw Prabhupada in Mumbai at that stage. And one of those people was a person that was working at the Russian embassy. So when uh, Shah Sundar went to the embassy and said, look, my spiritual master wants to go to Russia, and he's had this invitation by this professor, would it be okay to give us a visa? And the, the man said, I don't see any problem with that. <laughs> and, straight, and then he said, what can I have for his assistant and his servant as well? And he suggested that's fine. Boom. And he got it straight away. So the power is there, it's just amazing. <coughs> so the other thing that I was wanting to point out was that there was a, a wonderful thing on uh, YouTube nowadays uh, from Siddhartha, Siddhartha Prabhu, Siddhartha Prabhu's ITV, and he does these Sankirtan stories. Has anybody seen the Sankirtan stories? I know there's the Prabhupada Remembrances and they're really amazing as well to enliven you about how the devotees relate to, um, to Srila Prabhupada, the older devotees. But this one in particular was a Sankirtan story with um, Mahatsana. You know Mahatsana, right? You know him? Our, our book distributor champion over here. This Mahatsana, Mahatsana uh, young devotee, Brahmachari in America, and he holds a record for the most book distribution in one day. And so Siddhartha uh, interviewed him. Fascinating. Fascinating. Just a young devotee. And the sheer enthusiasm that is driving this young man, you know. And uh, he's filled with Krishna consciousness, he just couldn't stop, you know. He's just so completely uh, convinced that he can do this. And his spiritual master convinced him. Said, yeah, you can, uh, because he was getting close. Apparently the record was something like 700 and something books in a day, big books in a day. And his spiritual master said to him, well, you can do you can do a thousand in a day. Maybe not every day, but some days you can do a thousand, you can beat the record. So he had this in his mind. And, the, and he was so enthusiastic to spread through Prabhupada's books. So he started intensely chanting and worshipping Prabhupada in the Parampara 
and his spiritual master, and then he focused just on getting this thing happening. And everything was lining up. You could feel it when he was chanting his rounds in the morning. You could feel the energy of Krishna filling him. I can do this. I can do this. Anything is possible. And so the parampara was with him. You know, he kept on seeing in his mind's eye a picture of Bhakti Siddhanta. You know that one where he's standing, sitting sideways and holding Bhagavatam? He kept seeing that in his mind's eye. So his total meditation was book distribution. And so he went out and he, um, they set up and his, uh, some assistant that he had, Bhakta somebody or other, right? Bhakta Paul, I think his name was, he filled up the van, this van that they had with 2,000 books. <laughs> so he had completely, uh, I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. So they had a book stand and he distributed the books there and he said, it was the most amazing experience that I've ever had. You know, he was preaching to two people or three people at one time in separate conversations and Krishna was making the arrangements. So he'd be talking about one section of, uh, of the Bhagavatam of this person and another section of the Bhagavatam and how you should have the Bhagavatam. And each one was like, oh yeah. And while they were contemplating and looking through the books, he was going to the next one and then the next one. And then he sold a stack of books to them, a stack of books to them. In the end, he did over a thousand books in the day. I think it was 1,720 books in a day. So we go, you're our boy. <laughs> we want to empower you. Our chanting goes for you to promote. We want to beat that record. See, in Melbourne, we, we, we're very competitive in Melbourne. Did you know that? We always were very competitive. We always wanted to beat Sydney in the marathons. We always wanted to beat the world in book distribution. So we're very competitive. And he's very similar to you, Vijay, in a lot of ways. He's very enthusiastic. So, but anybody can do it, you know? Even Mataji over there, maybe I'm talking to you too, you know. It's just amazing. Over a thousand books. So that's the record. But everybody thinks, oh, come on. Thousand books. One thousand seven hundred. That included some smaller books. It was about one thousand two hundred or something, which were big books. And everybody was saying, oh, I can't do it. He said, you know, well, they used to say that about the one-minute mile. That the one-minute mile could never be achieved. But I know that, but it was broken. And now even school kids at the local sports or athletics, they're breaking the one-minute mile. So it can be done. There's nothing stopping us. When we chant Hare Krishna, all possibilities are there. All possibilities. So nothing stops us from preaching. So we can really make So anyway, Siddhanta was making, uh, having this uh, interview with him and it was very, very enlivening, very, very enthusing actually. And uh, he was just so intense, this boy was just so intense, he was just so hyper, so full, you know. He said, when I was out there, it was only the parampara were at the back, I was in the centre and the guy was in the front. I never lost my focus from that person, I just kept on looking at him and you know, and he said, even one time I didn't even have to use any words. I just said, <laughs> One guy was so impressed with him that he, I don't know, might have been a criminal or whatever, but he had a roll of money in his pocket. He said, you. And he goes, I want to give you a dozen. <laughs> so he gave a whole roll of money and he gave him a stack of books. There we go, that's it. He said, and then he, the other one, he said, there was an atheist. And the atheist came up and said, um, I, I, I don't want 
I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of this. He said, give these books to your, to your enemies. That's not a bad idea. So he bought a whole stack of books right. So even the atheists were engaged. So then he was asked, how is it that you're able to perform such amazing results? And it was interesting what he said. He said, the seeds of devotion have been sown way beforehand. The seeds of devotion have been sown way beforehand by the previous devotees and their hard, dedicated work. Hard, dedicated work. So he's humble, but he's factual as well. That any effort that the devotees have done over the years and are still doing lays the groundwork for actually promoting and pushing on this movement more and more and more and more. It doesn't stop. And that's the power of the Holy Name. When we're chanting here in Albert Park, we're actually sending out a vibration to the whole of this community and the whole of this state. We're here as the, as the PowerPoint for spirituality for this region and for the world. And each individual's efforts contributes to the ultimate glory of, of spreading Krishna consciousness. Each one of us has a responsibility. And then a person like Vija and like Mataji, you know, go out there and have the Shakti to actually be able to engage people and all of the other ones as well. Because of the power that is behind you and the dedicated work that's been done beforehand. With the Holy Name, there are all us, all possibilities are there. You don't need any material qualification. Anybody can chant the Holy Name of the Lord. So all the Harinams that have been performed for the last 50 years, all the Prashadam that's been distributed, all the farming communities, all the, all the Guru Kuls and everything, it's just all building. Krishna consciousness is not an easy thing for people to accept. But when they're really struck with difficulty, Krishna consciousness becomes uh, a reality to them. Just like I was floundering as far as my meditation, I was, I was cool. I'm a vegetarian, I'm meditating, you know, I don't need anything. I actually even said, no, I don't need, I'll chant Hare Krishna, but I don't need Hare Krishna, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. But it was the incident of, of Krishna showing me what the material world is actually like through this old woman and the story of Ajumil that, oh, yeah, I've got to become devoted. So, all the Hari Nams have been performed, all the Prashadam distribution, all the books that have been distributed over the years set the groundwork for Krishna consciousness to grow and grow and grow and grow. And it is not an impossibility that in the future Krishna consciousness will be the dominant uh, leader in so many aspects of the world. We think that at the moment the world, and Prabhupada said that also, that the world is run by demons. And it's not very hard to see how they're manipulating the world at the present stage. But I won't go into that. We as devotees actually have the power to change so the world becomes more spiritual. Because that is the promise of Bhaktivedanta called with the power of the Holy Name of his Kali Yuga, Krishna has manifested himself in his Holy Name, we can change the world for the better. So the seeds have been shown, they have been sown, and that continues to this very day. So the work that you're doing, even the young kids in their school, everything that you're doing, if you can relate it back to Krishna consciousness in some way or another, if you can talk to your schoolmates and school friends about Krishna, 
and get them, encourage them to chant Hare Krishna, all will be well. Who knows? The person that you may be sitting next to and encouraging could be the next Prime Minister of the country. In fact, you could be the next Prime Minister of this country. There's nothing stopping you. Every possibility is there just by the chanting of the Holy Name. Sometimes I remember the, the days back, it's nearly Moomba time again. Anybody know what Moomba is? You know Moomba in the main city, right? Where all the floats go. It used to be a lot bigger event. So sometime uh, back in the uh, 80s, the temple president there said, you know, it would be really good if we could have a float in the Moomba parade. In the Moomba parade at that stage, you used to get around about 600,000 pe 600, people in Swanson Street, who would watch these amazing floats, you know, uh, uh, like different corporate entities would do different floats, and there'd be a theme or something that we'd all have to follow. So the spiritual uh, director at that stage, the president here in Melbourne, said, gee, it'd be really good for Krishna consciousness, but make people aware of Krishna consciousness, if we could have a float. And so we put in, he said, Bhakta, that's your job. You're, you're an artistic sort of fellow, you can do that, that service. So I'm praying, God, Krishna, how am I going to do this, you know? So I approached the council at that stage and I said, Hi, I'm a member of the Hare Krishna movement, and uh, we'd like to put a float into the Mooka parade. They said, No way. Not, not happening. We're not interested. No religious thing is going to come into this float. I thought, Oh. And uh, Balaram said, no, just chant, something will happen. So I kept chanting and praying to Krishna, how can we have this mood flow? So then we had Gopal's restaurant, I was managing Gopal's restaurant at that stage as well. And so I thought, hang on, dude, Gopal's is a business, I can register with Gopal's. <laughs> so we put in a registration as Gopal's vegetarian, oh yes, you can have a mood flow. <laughs> so then we built this amazing flow, do you remember Vishnu Bread? That was the Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu and Ananda Shaykh, right? So we had all these serpents, huge, made out of styrofoam, right? And then we had this huge Lord Vishnu laying down. And this, this float would zoom down Swanson Street. And we had, you know, a Kirtan party in the front with speakers, Korla was there, and we had an amazing Kirtan here at that stage, was Dristadunya Maharaj. And he was leaving the kirtan, so it was like loud kirtan. And all of a sudden, you know, all the organizers, all the council members and everything, saw this big Hare Krishna float. And I mean, it wasn't subtle in any way, shape or form. <laughs> it was Lord Vishnu with a mantra shows all these snakes. You know, like, wow! <laughs> so people, 600,000, at least 600,000 people were crowded in Melbourne, in, in, in Swanson Street, right, for this parade. So the first year, <laughs> they were just, their mouths just dropped, you know. It's the Hare Krishnas, you know. And the mantra was going in, Hare Krishna, the Korma was blasting, you know. And they saw this amazing thing. So then as the years went on, because we're nearly, well yeah, we got a prize. First best time entry. Now we were competing with companies like Maya, uh, at that stage, the gas and fuel department, you know, the government body, and they had massive, massive floats, but we, we got best first time entry. And then at the end of the float, they would park the floats, and, and the public, the 600,000 people, would come and have a look at the floats up close, you know. 
So we had devotees on the floats giving out books. You know? So we were, we were absolutely cleaning up. So anyway, that year was great. And so then the temple president said, we're doing this every year. You know, because it's such a popular thing. So as the years progressed, uh, more and more people started to appreciate it. And, you know, uh, like in the first year it was like, Sahari Krishnas. The next year it was like, beautiful flow, they started to clap. The last year, the majority of the 600,000 people that were there raised their hands, Hare Krishna! <laughs> it was such an amazing event. So, anything is possible. But the point was we had to really, really focus on our hands to, to achieve those things. So anything was possible and spreading with the holy name. Just as we did the other day at, this, at the uh, St. Kilda Festival. The St. Kilda Festival was a real success. We were wondering actually how are we going to pull this off without Rathyantra. We miss Lord Jagannath so much. And yet generally it's Lord Jagannath who's the center part of the Rathyantra of the St. Kilda Festival. So we're thinking how are we going to do this? So I was praying. How, you know, again I was given the responsibility to see somehow and I was telling Aniruddha, look, you know, I mean, we may not make a profit out of this because we don't know what it's going to be like. So I was chanting and, and thinking, how can we do this, you know? So then I remember how popular uh, the global party people were, you know, Sri Keshu and Joaquin. And so I thought, we have to have them as a basis. So working with Malamohan and the other devotees, you know, we started to organize a plan. So, I got a letter back the other day from the St. Kilda uh, Festival people and the Portville Council. And they said that our venue, the Vedic Village, was the most popular venue at the whole of the St. Kilda Festival. They said, yeah, they said the enthusiasm and the interest was second to none to anything else. You know, they had all the stalls around the side there and the carnival and everything. A lot of people were telling me, actually, there's nothing happening out there. It's, it's dead. Hardly anybody's walking around there. So they actually noted that we were the most popular venue at that stage, on, at that event. And the, and the thing that drew them in was the incredible chanting of the Holy Name. You know? And we had to think of a way, and this is the expertise of Joaquin and, and Sri Keshava, they do it in a way that attracts people. We have to think of ways and work with the times as to what attracts people. To attract the fallen conditioned souls to partake in the Lord's pastimes. And uh, it was interesting, you know, I was, um, they delivered the first couple of sets and then uh, we had one set left to go. And that was the one for the evening. And already the crowds were sort of dissipating and everything. I said, we're going to go on a little bit earlier. So I gave them a bit of a pep talk. And again, thinking back on all the classes that have been given about Ajumil. So many wonderful classes by David Rita Maharaj and so many of the senior devotees here. You know, and I was thinking back on how amazing the Holy Name is and if we can give the Holy Name. So I was giving them a bit of a pep talk beforehand. I said, look, you know, you have to understand that what you're doing out there is not just entertainment, but you're saving these people. When they hear the holy name of the Lord, you're saving these people. 
And, uh, you know, so then, yeah, you're right, Patrick, because sometimes we lose that understanding of why we're chanting. Sometimes when we're on Harinam or something, God, I haven't been on Harinam for such a long time. When you, you lose track, you lose, actually, why am I out here, you know, what am I? Because, you know, you get attracted by the illuminates around and everything, but then you, you again focus, I have to chant to save these people. So they actually had that mentality when they went on for their third set. And uh, that performance went on for around about three hours, I think. They just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. What happened was, it attracted so many people who then partook of prasada. And they had prasada. And in the, in the end, it was a, a real success. Hariruda sent back a message the other day saying that we actually made a good profit from it and it was uh, really a, a wonderful, and a lot of people had a wonderful experience. I was watching some of the people when the, when the kirtan was really going, that modern sort of beat, you know. They were, they were transcending. They were having a spiritual experience. There were a couple of people there that I thought, oh my God, you know, they are really taking off in Krishna consciousness. You know, the mantra is just really embedded in their brain. Unfortunately, I did get some criticism in that uh, somebody said, well, why are you playing these, these uh, undevotional tunes? In the start of the third set, I said, what you have to do is we have to have like a beat that's like more contemporary and not necessarily the mantra. And that will draw people in. And so that was the whole idea, that if people hear this duftuf music, and they think, hey, this is pretty cool, <laughs> you know. And then, and then they introduce the holy name. And I mean, the, the, the different sets that they did, there was one, I don't know if you remember it, where Prabhupada was part of that, that whole kirtan, and you heard Prabhupada's voice, and what they'd done is they had, they had adjusted the tone or the rhythm of Prabhupada's voice to fit exactly in that, that beat of that, that kirtan. It was just amazing. And then the Lord Nishringadev, did anybody see that? The Lord Nishringadev kirtan, wasn't that amazing? You know how she came out, you really felt she was Lord Nishringadev, you know? And it was just amazing. So they did the whole sets again that they'd done in the morning and at, uh, at and midday. So they went on for three hours. And, uh, Again, as the, as the council said to us, you know, nobody else was that, uh, that popular, except for the Hare Krishnas. So, all glories to you all, for those people that helped with the, uh, with the St. Kilda Festival. I thank you, thank you very much. Yes, Bhakti? They didn't bring you up? Yeah, they <laughs> Yeah. 9 o'clock at night. I'd already gone home. It's early. It's 830. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd gone home because my back was playing up, so I thought, I oh, know, I've got to go home, I'm, I'm, at it. I'm finished, you know. And so anyway, the organizers rang up and said, we really appreciate your enthusiasm, but when are you going to stop? <laughs> <laughs> I said, they'll stop, they'll be, they'll be okay. And so then they did stop after a while, which was great. So, the whole idea is, is that the potency of devotees, any devotees, the potency, we have to understand what we've been given. We've been, you know, like sometimes we have these so, so much advertised at the moment, superheroes, right? You've got Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie. Who's seen the new Spider-Man movie? Any of you guys? Some of you have, I know. 
<laughs> new Spider-Man movie, and there's a Batman movie coming out and stuff. And these people have all these fantastic equipment and superheroes. The devotees are the greatest superheroes, and they have the greatest super weapon. So that's the holy name of the Lord. The power of the holy name of the Lord conquers any of these other things. Whatever goes on in the world, the power of the holy name will save you. And so, the potency of a devotee, any devotee, is amazing. Even if we're unqualified. And even if we're unqualified, and this is the purport of this Bhagavad up today, it scares the Yamadutas. <laughs> it scares the Yamadutas. Oh, there's a devotee who's preaching, or he or she is preaching. I can't go near them. You know? And when you see the terror that was on this old lady's face, you know, it's actually, I have to, it reminded me of something. I did have an experience of something like the Yamadutas coming. Some of you may know, in the early 70s, there were a lot of drugs and a lot of smoking marijuana and stuff. So before I became a devotee, yes, I took some marijuana. And one of the first times I took marijuana, it was laced. The police had laced it with horse tranquilizer. Okay, you remember that? <laughs> and I smoked it, and it was okay for a while. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't move any part of my body. And if I moved, these creatures were coming from me. So I had this image also, this remembrance, and being, whoa, if that's anything like the Yamadubas, I don't want any part of this, you know. So, <laughs> so the thing is, is that the devotees are just so powerful. But the, the agents of Yamaraj, they will not touch the devotees, and they are scared, as it actually says here, they're scared. So why do you think these powerful entities that can drag a living entity out of their body and drag them to hell will be scared of a devotee? Why do you think? What is it that, that they're so afraid of? From reading over the last couple of months, actually, about Yamaraj, why would you think, and I need an answer from someone, why would you think that the Yamadutas would be afraid of a devotee? Anyone? Any of the kids? Have a think. Why would they be afraid of a devotee, as it's mentioned here in the book? Yes, Prabhu. They get chastised again by Vishnu Dutas. They what? They get chastised by Vishnu Dutas again. More than that. Yes. Because when um, they are come for a jamming, Vishnu Dutas are given a warning to them. They are given a warning, yeah, but they are actually frightened. Yes, Prabhu. Yeah! They are scared of Krishna's power. They're scared of Krishna. This, this person is representing Krishna. Whatever. Could be the chakra too. Could be the lotus. He can deal with anything. <laughs> Krishna loves his devotees so much. All he wants, the whole power of the holy name, is to do nothing but bring people back home, back to Godhead, back to Him. Krishna wants all of us 100% to go back to Him. He loves us so much, we have no understanding, no appreciation, maybe a little bit of how much Krishna loves us. Prabhupada understand, understood and still understands how much Krishna loves us. And sometimes he was overwhelmed by Krishna's love. So the Yamadutas are so fearful. What will Krishna do to me if I, if I offend this, and I arrest this person that's trying to spread love of Godhead? They're petrified. So they won't touch you. 
because you're spreading God consciousness, because you're spreading Krishna consciousness. This is the power of the holy name. And we, even if we're unqualified, even if we're the, just the simplest devotee, it doesn't matter. If we're chanting Hare Krishna, you are a powerful living entity, you are able to change people's hearts, you're able to change people's uh, direction, evil direction, and you're saving them from hell. Saving them from hell. So this is the power of the holy name. Somebody asked Srila Prabhupada, this is a quote from Srila Prabhupada. Uh, Yamaraj especially instructs that those who are Vaishnavas, you should not go there. You should offer them respect. Somebody asked me, Mr. Prabhupada, Swamiji, why are these Tulsi bees on your neck? Or on the devotees' necks? So I replied, just like a pet dog has a collar, similarly, we are the pet dogs of God. We are the pet dogs of God. We are simply the... We've got this collar. And Yamaraj will understand that he or she is God's dog. You should not put that dog down. This is Prabhupada. So we have to be aware, you know, that we wear these Tulsi Malam. However we wear it, that's, that's not, not the main thing. However we wear it, we should never be afraid of death or changing bodies. Prabhupada also said, when consciousness is transformed into Krishna consciousness, even if he doesn't go back to Godhead, we shouldn't think that, oh, you know, I might not make it back to Godhead. Doesn't matter, Prabhupada said, even if you transmigrate to another body, one has nothing to fear. A devotee never has anything to fear. And I have personal experience of that. I've seen devotees pass away. So many of the good devotees here in Melbourne, we've seen many devotees from here in Melbourne, and I've had the opportunity to be there at the time of their passing, also in Mayapur, you know, where we're seeing devotees pass away, and there's not a tinge of anxiety. Not a tinge of anxiety. In fact, there are some devotees where you see at the last moment of their, their life, they become elated, as if they're seeing Krishna. They're seeing Krishna. Like one person in Mayapur that I met, uh, he had a Shalakam Shila on his chest, and just as he passed, he went, Govinda, boom, passed away. You know, there's also the stories that Dave Rita Maharaj actually explains about that devotee that had been away from Krishna consciousness for a long time, and he was passing away, and then all of a sudden he'd been in a coma for such a long period of time, and then he came out of the coma just before he was about to pass, and he said, Prabhupada, you've come. So the devotee has nothing to fear, even if we think we're not so very good devotees. Just keep chanting and Krishna will make all the arrangements. The Bhagavad Gita affirms this, therefore that a devotee never vanquishes, is never vanquished. A devotee's path to spiritual kingdom, back home, back to God, it is guaranteed. When you take to Krishna consciousness, your path back to God is guaranteed. No problem about that. So that, that and you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times, there is actually a guarantee in the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. At the last verse, at one of the last verses in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, I guarantee you, this is the warranty. You know how when we buy something or we commit to something, we want a warranty. Is this going to work for me or what? Here's the Supreme Personality of God and saying, here's the warranty. I guarantee you. You take to this path, you won't have any problems. That's, that's the wonder of Krishna consciousness. 
So even though the body may slip at times, and we all appeal to that, we all have difficulties at times, you know, even if he slips, the continuation of his Krishna consciousness elevates them further and further. You just keep on going until he goes back home, back to Godhead. And that's our lot, that we go back home, back to Godhead. No more suffering, no more pain, no more back pain. <laughs> I can't wait for the day that this back pain is finished. Anyway, most of us are in that predicament. That's why most of us quickly took to Krishna consciousness. We've had this experience before. Isn't it amazing sometimes, you know, that a devotee person comes to Krishna consciousness and straight away takes to Krishna consciousness without, you know, even understanding why am I becoming a devotee? And all of a sudden they're a devotee because of the past life, Krishna just puts you in that right place. Um, in other words, only a pure devotee can easily surpass death, but by His grace, one followers, uh, one's followers will also, so, so even the spiritual master or anybody that we mentor or encourage to chant Hare Krishna, they will also go back home, back to God. Um, I just want to finish up, I know we're running out of time a bit, I just want to finish up by a wonderful um, uh, thing that I've listened to just recently. Uh, you know, we're talking about this whole thing about passing and, and Ajameel and near-death experiences and stuff like that. So there was one near-death experience that I just really wanted to relate. And some of you may not be aware of this wonderful podcast that's out there. Some of the young guys maybe. Uh, Wisdom of the Sages. Anybody listen to Wisdom of the Sages? Are you listen to Wisdom of the Sages? Uh, by... Um, uh, what's the names? Uh, Raghunath and Krishnuva. Anybody listen to Wisdom of the Sages? None of the young guys listen to it. You listen? Isn't that amazing? They're really trendy, they're really modern. They have something like, I think, over 50,000 people listening to their podcast on a daily basis now. So they're really good. But anyway, I wanted to relate one story that I heard on that podcast. They had one girl there who had a, a devotee who had a near-death experience. So you all know what a near-death experience is, right? A near-death experience is when you come back after you've passed away. And a lot of people have that understanding of they pass away and then they have a near-death experience, they come back to tell the tale. And a lot of people say they saw the light or they were guided and so on. So this girl had a near-death experience. And she was a girl who had just come to Krishna consciousness and they have the Bhakti Center in New York, right? It's called the Bhakti Center or Bhakti Lounge or something, right? Bhakti Center. So she'd been coming, and one of her mentors, a lady, I can't remember her name, was her mentor. And, uh, and she, they used to do bhajans and things together, and she was very encouraging to this, to this young girl. Anna was her name. So Anna came from Colombia, a young woman about 18, and she, um, she had a baby, but she also had, yeah, she, first of all, she was diagnosed with uh, bone cancer. So she had bone cancer and she had to have treatment. And anybody that knows anything about bone cancer, it's yeah. a very heavy, heavy. operation, uh, you know, very, very heavy very, treatment. Very, very, very painful. Very, so as she was having this, she was also pregnant. So she was pregnant with a little baby. The baby was born premature. It was, uh, I think, only six or seven months, and the baby was premature. So she went through all this, 
and then because of this her husband left her at the same time. So she was still going to the Bhakti Center and chanting, but this was what was happening, right? So as if things couldn't get worse, uh, she contracted uh, COVID and she was dying in the hospital. So they took her to the hospital, the little baby was mined by somebody else. And as she was passing away, uh, the doctors said, well, we'll have, to, um, we'll have to get the parents in to say goodbye to her because they're going to switch off the life support system. And, uh, and she was just, she couldn't breathe anymore. They said her lungs were so uh, petrified that only the top part of her lung, she was just breathing in the top part of her lung. And then her heart stopped and the nurses gave resuscitation to her. And during that period of time, she passed away. Then all of a sudden, for a bit, I, I don't know how long she was uh, out for, all of a sudden she came back. And, you know, the doctor said, what's happening here? You know, all of a sudden she was back again into, into consciousness. And all of a sudden, the COVID disease started to ease. And within days, her lungs started to become normal again. And uh, that they couldn't understand what was going on. So anyway, um, she was talking and she said, yes, I had this incredible experience. When I actually passed away, I was no longer attached to this body. It didn't mean anything to me anymore. And all the illnesses and everything were no longer there. It was just not part of me anymore. I didn't even have an attachment to my child who I'd just given birth to. I just felt completely satisfied and all I could hear was the holy name of the Lord. All I could hear was my mentor, this lady at the Bhakti Center, chanting this incredible song. So they were chanting for her at the Bhakti Center and she actually picked up on the chanting that was happening at the Bhakti Center. And all she could hear was the chanting of this holy name that her mentor was chanting, right? Miles away at the Bhakti Center in the hospital. So she felt that and after hearing the Holy Name, it revived her. And the prayers of the devotees revived her to the extent that when, when uh, she ultimately left the hospital and she came back the next day, uh, three days later, the doctors wanted to check her out because, oh yeah, that's right, she was laying in bed and she said, I didn't want to stay in bed anymore. And so she pulled out all the plugs and just walked home, went, went home, right? And then three days later she went back to the, to the hospital and they'd have to do a final check and there was not a sign of any of the cancer or any of the COVID or anything. It just healed. And all she could remember was that this powerful chanting of the Holy Name by her mentor and the devotees that were praying for her. So sometimes, you know, we, we've seen over the COVID period where we had the devotees have been asked to pray for loved ones, parents that are dying in India or, or friends and relatives that are passing away, and we've been asked to chant. Sometimes we think, oh, will it have any potency? It has potency. The holy name of the Lord has potency, and you can help in that, in that person's suffering, whether they stay with us or move on to the next phase in their, in their existence. It doesn't matter, but you've helped with them. So when she went back three days later to the hospital, they said, this is a miracle. And the doctor started to cry. 
The doctor started to cry. He said, I can't believe this. This is a miracle. I can't believe that this has happened. So this girl was just you know, amazing. And if you ever get a chance, I, I honestly recommend that uh, you, you uh, have a listen. Some of the young guys, if you want to have a listen to Wisdom of the Sages, they're pretty trendy sort of guys and, and very nice devotees, but it's just an amazing uh, episode. There are so many topics involved in that. So, uh, yeah, that was the story. So I'll stop here. Srila Prabhupada Ki yeah. Holy Name Ki yeah. Story of Ajumil Ki yeah. Is that Prabhupada? Interesting. I really don't know. Can you repeat the question? She said that at the, she's heard from different places that at the time of uh, death, at the time of passing, Lord Chaitanya made comments. Right? And then you said. And then they said that the Vishnu Dutas come at the same time, so which is correct? The Vishnu Dutas are devotees of Lord Chaitanya, right? So they can come in the disguise. So like, Lord, don't, don't, don't think that they're necessarily always the same. And don't think also that the Vishnu Dutas don't come to people of other faith traditions. One interesting thing that David Rikamaharaj said, which was from the Bhagavatamrita, is that the Vishnu Dutas not only come just at the time of death, but they're constantly with you. They're constantly wanting to inspire you to become Krishna conscious. So in other faith traditions, they call them angels. So some in Christian tradition, we call them the guardian angel. That you have a guardian angel, you have a, a divine entity, like a Vishnu Dutta, that's there with you, to help you, to encourage you. And at the end of your life, they may come with Lord Chaitanya. They may come with Srila Prabhupada. They may come in so many different ways. They may come as Krishna himself. They may come as Lord Vishrinadev. You know? So... Each individual person has a different relationship. And so what happens is, is whatever happens with you, Lord Chaitanya may come, but he will be accompanied by his devotees, the, the uh, Vishnu Dutas. So the Vishnu Dutas are always guiding us. It's not that they're just there at the time of death. They are there in our progress to Krishna consciousness. And sometimes you can actually pray to them. A lot of in Christian tradition, uh, people pray to their angel. But we pray to Srila Prabhupada and we pray directly to Lord Chaitanya. And the greatest prayer that absolutely controls the vision of Dukas is chanting Hare Krishna. And if you chant Hare Krishna sincerely, they're enthused like anything. And they'll be there and Lord Chaitanya will be there and the whole spiritual world will be there too. 
the whole spiritual world will open up and you'll just be welcome. That's the other thing. You'll be welcome like you won't believe. You know, sometimes when you come home from a long holiday and mum and dad go, hey, good to have you back and all that kind of stuff, right? When you go back home, back to God, and Krishna personally comes and says, oh, you've come back home. And he hugs you and kisses you. And, he, and all the friends and everything are so welcoming. You've made it back. Good on you. And you never want to leave again. You never want to leave again. So they'll all come. Prabhupada will come. Your spiritual master will come. The Vishnu Dutas will come. Lord Shiva will come. All of them are grateful that you've broken out of this material cesspool that we call in. This material world is nothing but a painful experience that we just want to get out of. And the thing is, we're all guaranteed that we're going to be. Hopefully in this lifetime, but if it takes another lifetime, we'll preach Prabhupada's glories in the next lifetime. Doesn't matter. Does it? But hopefully, yeah, Lord Chaitanya will come and the Vishnu Buddhas will come. Is that okay? Sorry for the second very question. Any other questions or comments at all? Okay, Bruce, thank you very much. Thank you for your tolerance, listening to me. All the best, Shri Prabhupada.